0: Welcome to Real Life Rescues, a podcast that's going to go behind the scenes and take an in-depth look into the operational and personal accounts of EMS first responders from Israel's largest fully volunteer EMS provider, United Atzala.
1: Any volunteers available in Beit Shemesh across from the Noah Ayala trails? Any units available
0: in Tverayah near the Keen for an 11 year old boy pulled into the water, possibly drowning. And 7 is in the water with the boat, Backup units in the Hi, welcome to another episode. I'm Raphael. And I'm Dovey. And uh, today we're going to talk about uh, pet peeves in EMS.
1: All those irritating little things.
0: And my God, there are so many. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, you know, uh, getting thrown up on <laughs> in the middle well, of a call. I think that's not a pet peeve. That just comes with the role, doesn't it? it? With the role? I don't know. That's sort of, that's the sort of one of those The problem is when it
1: happens at the end of the shift. So y- you can't get the downtime of going to get changed and lose out on a few
0: calls. Well, I think that the bad one is when it comes and starts at the beginning of the shift and you can't get changed because you're continually on calls. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. <laughs> and then like your patients come into the ambulance and they're smelling that. And sometimes when people, you know, smell vomit, they vomit. So it, it just it's a force multiplier.
1: Yes, it's a chain <laughs> It's the
0: butterfly effect. Butterfly <laughs> effect. Um, so that's, that, those are, those are like, you know, Oh, those really annoying things, but there are, there are lots of other, um, smaller pet peeves. Uh, one of my, one of my big pet peeves is, you know, in, in our organization shows up, we're the first volunteer on the scene. We show up, we bring our gear and sometimes you have multiply m- multiple volunteers show up and, Not everyone's going to bring an entire bag in. So you ask, oh, do you have a full bag? And then you
1: have the situation that everybody shows up without their equipment because they see the vehicle outside and they're sure all the equipment is upstairs already. You're you're
0: stealing my thunder. (laughs) I was getting to that. And you ask the other volunteer and he's like, oh, do you have full gear? He's like, yeah, I got full gear. And he brings his bag and half the stuff's missing. Or you end up coming to a scene and you arrive and an ambulance shows up and they don't bring anything. They They just walk in. And they didn't bring any gear, like you said, because they felt someone else had gear. Of course, someone else has gear. No, but you ask
1: the medic, why didn't you bring your stuff with you? So he exactly. says, well, you, well you guys are here. <laughs> and I say, okay, but we don't have a stretcher with us. So why don't you bring the stretcher? We're Nobody four, ever brings we're a four stretcher. We're four stories up. And we know that they're going to end up needing to go and get that stretcher. Yeah. So maybe it's just blazing optimism that the... Patient will sign an RMA. That's what it's called, I think. <laughs> like staying on site. All right. <laughs> a lot of wishful
0: thinking. On transport. Um, so there's that. I I feel like I don't know, but based on my experiences, I feel like it's protocol not to bring a stair chair or a stretcher into a building which has multiple you know levels before you meet the patient. I feel like they always want to do that afterwards, which delays transport and it's just it just bad form. It's um, yeah. It's, it's so I don't know what protocol is, but you, where you guys are, where you're listening, but. I always feel like if you're bring if you're coming in and you have protocol a protocol
1: is to bring the stair chair with you. Right. Okay. Protocol of a lazy <laughs> MS personnel is coming without it with wishful thinking that the patient will not be transported. Right. So
0: I guess uh don't don't be lazy. <laughs> it's like a pet peeve in general, is is you know, people being too lazy and not uh following protocol that's expected. Um Another pet peeve is also when you have uh, multiple teams responding, uh, and then there's like you know the push and shove over the patient. That's always a challenge as well. Um, thankfully, I think we're we're pretty good at that here, where it's like we we try and hand off seamlessly if there's another agency that comes up and and uh, is doing the patient transport itself. Um, but there's a lot, there's a lot of uh, you know, interesting little kinks. Um, you know, other EMS personnel who don't know how to use the equipment properly. Oh, um, that's just frustrating. That, yeah, that's a bad peeve. That's exactly it. Okay. Bad okay. Bad. <laughs> yeah.
1: Listen, um, uh, how do you say uh, "gilui naot"? Uh, revealing. It's it's a no, term in English for? Oh, I, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I got to go back always also. to saying that that. uh Um, uh, full disclosure. English English, full disclosure. English is my mother's tongue, not my mother right. tongue. So I got to remember my words in English. So yeah, a, full disclosure. I didn't know what a pet peeve was until Rafael <laughs> walked in and said we were talking about pet peeves today. And I'm like, what's a pet peeve? So yeah, it's all this pet peeve, as I understand, is driving license sirens rushing through traffic with that patient pulling up at the ER walking in and waiting half an hour to get a stretcher to to hand over your patient yeah that's a good one that's that that's yeah that that we i don't know what, what what's going on by you guys on the other side of the pond but here we can arrive at hospitals and wait even for an hour just for for them to find a bed a stretcher to hand over the patient now that is well you know there are ups and downs to that you get frustrated because you went lights and sirens right and but yet while you're waiting an hour there that means one less call to respond to more, more time at the snack bar
0: <laughs> yeah it's actually interesting a lot of hospitals have like break rooms for the ms teams which is kind of nice cuz that i mean usually another pet peeve is when they're all out of the stuff. when they're out
1: of the stuff you go into that <laughs> room go for like full of
0: optimism pet. go and get that a snack or or, or drink or the whatever coffee or the, <clears> the puddings <throat> and the sandwiches whatever they got going on and there and either
1: the machine is out of
0: order <laughs> or, <laughs> or the room is nothing empty left in the fridge <laughs> and you see there's 10 guys all sitting there and they're looking at you like what it was empty when we got here <laughs> yeah sure while was. they're chewing away <laughs> So there's a uh, there's there's plenty of of uh, pet peeves that come uh, in EMS, and I think it's same true with every profession. Uh, and it's really you know it's a lot of it boils down to interacting with other people and and meeting expectations or setting expectations. Um, I remember one of the um, one of uh, to my extent it's a pet peeve, but I know why he does it. There's there's an ambulance driver I've done shift with a number of times, uh, and he is incredibly incredibly uh pedantic, uh, which is a big, you know, big word, but he's very pedantic. He make sure every little thing is checked off before we start the shift. This can take like sometimes 45 minutes after the shift starts. And we're still going through the ambulance, uh, you know, all all the equipment in the ambulance and making sure that everything in the inventory that we we need to have in the ambulance is there. I'm talking like down to the level of like making sure that if we have nine glucogel sticks or, or glucometer sticks, we're gonna use we have to make sure we go back to the equipment center and get that tenth one uh, before we start the shift, because God forbid we should be having only nine. Um, so for me, it's a little bit of pet peeve. For him, it's 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 following protocol to the letter, so he can avoid pet peeves later, showing up at a scene without having uh, the equipment there. Um, and yeah, you know, there's there's a lot of wisdom in that uh, to an extent. So while for me it does cause a little bit of pet peeve because I'm more of a gung ho. Let's get out there. structure, Rafael. Absolutely. And some people, you know, work with structure very well, and some people work with structure less well. Uh, so there's really the flip side of the coin. You know, you can have the same action, for one, be a pet peeve, for one, it's actually proper protocol and form. And I think it's that interaction between the people which really comes to to a head at points. Uh, and every now and then, as, as I'm sure we all know, causes a little bit of a flare-up amongst teams uh, and challenges. Um, and the important thing is to always recall when we're doing those things that is, is, is remember the big goal. Like we're here to help people. We're here to save lives. So we have to maybe move a little bit beyond our pet peeves, our
1: egos
0: and our and egos pet in order to, uh, remember exactly what it is. And when push comes to shove, I think, uh, you know, I think we all managed to do that. Otherwise we wouldn't be staying in the field too long. And now
1: let's talk about the patients themselves. I mean, how often have we come to a patient, they need to go to the hospital, whatever, is an an NMI or, or uh, I don't know... Mm pulmonary edema or whatever it is and all you want to and remember do, they
0: called you right they yeah really you've to go got to the, the iv
1: line going you've got the meds going and you're you're packing them up on the chair um ready to go and then they're just a second um shut off the lights in the room just a minute close the gas in the kitchen wait a second i gotta wait for my daughter to come um and and, and every other thing on the list that they can imagine when all you want to do is just get them to the hospital already and you try to explain this to them and they like, I have a whole checklist that they have to go through before they leave the house as if they're just going out
0: to their local uh, um, uh, daycare center or something. All right. I remember there's one, uh, one, uh, an enterprising, let's say young lady, but she's not a very old lady uh, that I went to recently um, that refused to leave until she actually did her makeup um, because she had, makeup out of is house. important. hundred percent. How long did she get out? right. She <laughs> hadn't gotten out of the house for, for quite a while before that. And she had to do her makeup and get the right hat and the hair and everything. And you know, when when she'd asked and and her caretaker asked, like, "What what do we need for the hospital?" And I say, "Okay, bring a cell phone, bring a charger, bring an ID card, uh, and and maybe a wallet and something." And then she's like, "Oh, okay, that's you know." And the, the caretaker went and got that. And then the woman's like, "Should we get her on the chair like you said?" And then she's like, "No, I have to get my makeup done. Need my lipstick. Need my hair." And, and, and it does give something to the patient, meaning the patient gets something psychologically out of it, knowing they're a little bit more prepared. But at the same time, that's not what they're there for. <laughs> and you're there to take them to hospital. We just want to go. And it's and it becomes even worse
1: when, when you're looking at your watch and the end of the shift is around the corner. <laughs> and all you, you're thinking about is you're going to get stuck at the ER anyway. And it's going to take you time. But lady, come on. Let's go.
0: Yeah. I feel like there's a through line for you, Dove,
1: with the end of shift coming. Yeah, up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I put it this way. 30 plus years in EMS.
0: Had a lot of bad luck with those end of shift calls. Got to talk to your, your dispatchers a little bit better and maybe treat them nicer, and you get you get less calls at the end of shift. Well, the problem was that I was a dispatcher as well, so they're all getting back at me. Oh, I get them worse from all the worlds, all different directions. You're coming on there. Um, so, patient pet peeves. There's there's quite a few of them. Uh, you also have patient pet peeves where where you're yeah, asking for uh, oral history and you're trying to make a proper diagnosis, and the patients just forget to include things like minor oh, things like, yeah, like I'm hypoglycemic or, you know, I have diabetes
1: or, or <laughs> so other I forgot that. that. That's how yeah. I
0: called you. I called you cause I have a fever. It's like, okay, but you know, maybe connected and who knows? Um, so the, uh, there's always love, lovely elements there where they just forget to mention things to you, even though you ask them and say, Hey, are there any other symptoms that you have that are relevant? Any other, uh, ailments? And they say, no, I'm fine. Otherwise, um, so there's those elements too, uh, and of course, let's not forget about uh, one of my favorites uh, is pets, uh, the pets of the patients.
1: Oh yeah, the
0: pets. I, rem- <laughs> I remember we had a we had a cardiac uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't it was a cardiac incident. I don't remember if it was an MI or uh, uh, different uh, or, or you know AFib, um, but uh, I was there as, as the first BLS responder at the scene. And then the second BLS responder scene showed up and we were diagnosing patient. We gave them aspirin to chew and uh, we were waiting for the ambulance. The ambulance took its time. When they finally arrived, uh, the paramedic refused to walk into the house because there was a dog.
1: (laughs) Excuse me. That paramedic might've been me because whenever I hear barking, I'm like, I I hold the door closed. And when they try and open it, I just let them open it a little bit. And I say, before we walk in, lock. And the dog in the room. And you know why? Because, as, and they're like, no, he's a great dog and everything. Yeah, that's all fantastic. It is. Except one thing that dog might be a wonderful dog, but when they see you going up to their owner and touching him and putting a mask on their face and, you know, of oxygen or whatnot, they can see that as attacking their owner and and they understand the stress of the situation and then what happens next is you find yourself with a bite on your leg on your arm and i've been down that road so many times that that i've learned my lesson
0: so i was the in that instance i was the uh bls responder that went and took the dog and brought the dog outside tied up there was no one in the house who could put the dog in the room because the only person in the house was the patient and they weren't getting up um so I actually took the dog out. I uh, made very good friends with the dog over the next twenty minutes, <laughs> and good for you. <laughs> uh, being a dog owner kind of worked and helped a little bit, but well, I am a dog owner, and that's why I know why the dogs will freak out. Yeah. So there's there's uh, there's the element of, of dealing with pets. Cats are usually less of a problem, but I've been I've been to a scene where a cat attacked one of the first responders. And that was much worse than the dog. Well,
1: I'm allergic to cats. So that's a whole different story. I want to be allergic. I got to take my, uh, what do you call it? <laughs> the Claritin or whatever it is. I always take them on shifts automatically because I know I'll be walking into a house with cats and walking out with puffed eyes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, in, in Israel, the cats are are very prevalent. Um, they're very, very common. Even street cats are, are all over the place here. So it's, uh, it's definitely yeah, a challenge. I have like seven in my backyard. Yeah. Um. So... Pets are, can pose definitely pose a challenge for first responders and you have to know how to deal with them properly and you have to calm down the pet. Uh, similar to what you would calm down a family member of the patient to an extent because like you said, the pets can sense stress. Um, so if you do have a number of people on your team uh, and you're able to, it might be worth even assigning somebody the task of, like you said, moving the pet, putting the pet in another room, tying it up outside and making sure it's taken care of. And then when everyone's gone, obviously letting the pet uh, back to where it's got its food and water and ability to roam around and, um, and take care of itself. Um, so that's always a challenge. But th- every now and then, you also get the patients who are like, oh, can you walk my pet? I haven't walked it in a while and I'm going to be in the hospital for the next couple of days. Um, I mean, yeah, I well, one... walk him to your neighbor and leave him there. Uh... I even had one <laughs> pet. Well, we are the neighbors. So I actually had a, had a patient to ask me to watch their dog until they came back from the hospital um, pretty recently. And we ended up with the dog for three days. Until they came back, it was Good a little, for you. little bit of a challenge. <laughs> um,
1: well, actually, uh, during COVID, during COVID, um, if you remember a file when when there was lockdown, so a lot of these people, especially the elderly people, remember lockdown COVID. Who remembers that when nobody, could leave, w- w- when nobody could leave <laughs> their homes and everything, and, We're all and a lot of these elderly people that had pets at home couldn't go outside to take their they their pets on walks. If you remember what we did that project back in the day, yeah, was the humanitarian project, and we had our volunteers literally walking dogs and
0: pets of of elderly people. Um, that you're couldn't talking leave to their one homes. of them. I did it all the time. Yeah, for us, actually, they, they had the rule in Israel for a while that if you were able, if you had a pet, you were able to leave your home. You're able to leave the home and walk the pet. That was one of the reasons you're able to leave your house, and so people started adopting pets uh, across the board. Everyone started adopting dogs. And then when the COVID restrictions ended, they gave away all their dogs, which was kind of horrible um, for the dogs. Uh, and uh, But I remember that, that when we the, the lockdown was still in force, when people actually had the disease, uh, they contracted COVID. They weren't able to leave their house even if they had uh, a pet. Um, and that was exactly one of the things I did. I did a lot of those walking around my neighborhood, whereas I was becoming the neighborhood dog walker for everyone's pets. Uh, and of course, really early on in the first lockdown, we didn't know exactly how the disease was spread and I had to go with gloves to hold on to the leash in case there was a way of contracting the disease from the leash itself or touching it or when I was opening the door and I wore the... Crazy
1: days. Who remembers those days anymore? It's just so far away. I feel like everybody... We got to do an episode on memoirs from COVID. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't know if everyone has memoirs. It's only three years ago. So our memories aren't that bad yet. Um, and I, I'm pretty sure everyone is still traumatized by that whole time period. <laughs> I think they're so traumatized that they lock it away in the back of their minds. And want to forget it. Just and trying to actively it. forget yeah. the trauma there. Um, but it brought a lot. Um, it also brought some very heroic moments and, and a lot of adventures, I think, uh, that you don't normally experience. Um, one, of, one of the more, I guess, memorable moments, I think, was when I was called to a CPR of, a, of an individual uh, in our town. And they... Uh, it, the call came out that the individual we were doing CPR on had COVID. And so everybody suited up. Everyone put on their... their spacesuits, Their spacesuits suits to, to treat the patient. And they're all doing compressions on the person who they suspected had COVID. Uh, and then there, the person had three adult children uh, who were around outside. I remember it was, it was pouring rain because, uh, of course, it's pouring rain. And I had just left. It was Friday night. Right as Shabbat began, and I was having guests in my house. Uh, this is definitely a big pet peeve. <laughs> <We're dead into. laughs> Go for guests it. my house. Go for it. This is therapy now. <laughs> I get to the scene. I get to the scene, and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna start doing TPR. But then, like, I see there's three or four people doing CPR, so I started. You know, I went into, I flipped, I flipped my hat, and I started doing, uh, psycho trauma with, uh, you know, th- psychological first aid with the children who were watching their father having CPR on them, and uh, I started talking to the children. And I said, you know, one of the things you want to do is is remove them from the scene of the trauma. So I brought the children inside to the house. And as they're into the house, the children are coughing. And I asked them, like... Ooh, lovely. Now, also, my PPE suit was taken by one of the other responders to co-do CPR on, on the gentleman outside. So I didn't have it. And I'm sitting there completely exposed with three people. And suddenly I'm like, okay, so, you know, tell me your story. He's like, oh, well, I was coming back from the hospital. One of the kids told telling me I was coming back from the hospital. My my dad was bringing me back from the hospital because I was just diagnosed with COVID, and they just released me from the COVID ward, and he's bringing me back home. I remember you—you you were master of lockdown. You were—you were master of quarantine. I was master of quarantine. Wow. Yeah. I had a crazy so amount you like, of quarantine. Like fifteen quarantine. Not or because of EMS, but because of my kids in school were exposed. <laughs> um. Anyway, so he's like, he's like, yeah. So I—I I was coming back, and my my dad was pulling me up the stairs, and that's when he got, um, that's when he came down with his cardiac arrest. Uh, I, I found myself in a room with three people, all of whom were actual active Corona patients. Uh, and I had no protection whatsoever. Thank God it was exactly to the day, f- three weeks after my second vaccine. We've gotten the vaccines really early in Israel. Um, we got them already starting beginning, beginning December uh, in 2020. And this was, this was January after my second vaccine. I came home after the call was over. I was success- successful, CPR I ended up staying with the kids for about 20 to 30 minutes in a closed room <laughs> with active COVID. And they're like, okay. Uh, I got home and before I even went inside, remember I have guests and my family sitting there. I knocked on the door. I, I grabbed a mask from someone. I knocked on the door, put a mask on, and said, please bring me two garbage bags and tell everyone to go to the porch. Um, and my wife brought me two garbage bags, didn't ask why, brought me two garbage bags. Everyone went to the porch. I <laughs> ran into the bathroom stripped down all the clothes went into the garbage bags and then shoved into a closed uh, washing machine um, because we can't do laundry on Saturday I had to wait till Saturday night for it and then I showered like twice <laughs> I went outside and told everyone got dressed obviously went outside told everyone what was going on and I said if you guys want to you know not stay for dinner that's totally understandable um, actually everyone stayed for dinner and nobody caught COVID which was miracles which was, miracles. A, miracle, which was a little bit of a miracle but yeah, COVID definitely gave us some adventures and uh, challenges. Yeah. Talk about pet peeves of COVID. That was a challenge. You're
1: so protected. You're you're you know you're, you're protecting yourself. You come around the house. You you put like you said everything in the garbage bags and everything. And then and then you'll have some Joe just go and screw it all up on those calls just by being stupid because they'll refuse to put on a mask. Um, like like basic things. Not that we today is already, but back then when we were worried of the big bad wolf. Um, and, and, and and you're so protected and then these these people who just couldn't care less it just drove you nuts it really drove you nuts
0: all right you're out there doing everything you can to help and and people were just not not interested in uh in in following the rules or protocols as correct or incorrect as they may have been in retrospect but at the time like you know we're all trying to do our best and people were just not interested um so yeah that that definitely, was a pet peeve, I think, for a lot of us out in the field during that time period. Uh, if there are any real rookies out there who didn't even see COVID,
1: uh, <laughs> <laughs> I we wish hope you, you never we have. We wish you never
0: see it ever again. We hope you never have to. So one of the other uh, pet peeves that I always have is, is when, when they get the address wrong in dispatch. Um, those are some of my fun ones. I remember there was one time I was en uh, on, on route to a call and I got pulled off the highway uh, in order to respond, we have a highway that cuts through Jerusalem, um, uh, Highway 50, and uh, I got pulled off the highway to respond to a call, and I get to the call. I'm lights and sirens. I get there, complete quiet on the street, nothing, no nothing interesting going on. And it was, it went for a, a serious car accident, and I was, my adrenaline had spiked. I was like ready to go. I'm pulling out the trauma kit, and, and I get,
1: where's the accident?
0: Where's the accident? So it's a call back dispatch. I'm like, where's the accident? And they're like, hold on, we'll check, and they look it up, and it's in a different city with the same street. It's like name. a minor technicality.
1: Minor, <laughs> minor technicality. But that happen all the time, you know. And 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 you get that gut feeling that it's too quiet on the street. Something doesn't seem right for the for the, the type of call you were sent out, you'd be expecting half the people waiting for you outside as you're pulling up, but that's not happening. So you really early on go back to dispatch and say, guys make sure uh, get a confirmation on location again right <laughs> but I'll, let me take you some pet peeves of international rescue missions
0: okay those are because, good ones oh <laughs> uh, we I got a whole bunch of
1: those so you're going to an earthquake right where we have got a whole team assembled going to an earthquake and they've got all their personal gear and everything and then the team and logistics trucks are showing up at the airport and everything and then you got you always have that one clown that will show up in sandals and you're like seriously sandals you're going to an earthquake. Where'd your safety go? Where'd your uniform? you got your uniform. They've got everything. They've got the helmet. They've got everything, the works, and they're with sandals. And they're usually from a search and rescue unit. Yes. <laughs> and you're like, come on. <laughs> so that's just one. That's one. Uh, <laughs> second is uh, um, so some people, you know, you put out your whole um, recruitment uh, document for them, you know, for the mission and whatnot. And, and they don't think to, well, you know, maybe that's our fault, but sometimes you expect some common sense is you're going to somewhere else in the world, you want to check what the weather is. And you're like showing up with like a short sleeve shirt when you're going to a country that my, you might be summer, but on that side of the world, it's winter or vice versa. They'll be showing up in coats and long clothing and, and, and warm gear and everything. And you're like going to like Haiti
0: in the summer. So you're like, mm, Okay. That's a little bit of a challenge. Um, you also have those people who are like they go on, and, on on rescue missions and they're expecting to like you know sleep at a hotel and you're in the middle yeah, of the tent. Of course, field. we are planning
1: the four seasons for them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's like, guys, it's not quite what we're doing here. Um, so there yeah, there's a lot of challenge. And then of course there's stuff that develops as you go on the uh on on the mission where you go to a rescue mission, and you're there for you know, helping other people and you come down and this isn't necessarily something that's like, you know, human error, but you get sick um, and you can't do what you're there for. Uh, it's always something that's very frustrating for a lot of people who, who've who gone through that experience. Um, and it's a challenge. Like you try and push through as much as you can, but you don't want to be a burden on your team. and You don't want to get anyone else sick that you're helping. So what do you do with that? Um so there's, there's lots of things, I guess, that can happen. Mur- Murphy is always around. Murphy works overtime.
1: I guess Pet Peeve is, I guess, like Murphy's uh, nickname or something or vice versa.
0: <laughs> it's sort of what we feel when Murphy rears his ugly head.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. So... Um, that's it for our, for our
1: time uh this week. Thank well, you so much for pet listening. Peeves. we hope we hope we pet peeved away and uh and and helped you sort of process some of your own pet peeves. and if, if you have some cool ones, just send them over and maybe we'll make another episode of everybody's pet peeves.
0: hey not only ours. So feel free to write in the comments some of your your uh, favorite pet peeves that you have to deal with in the field. Ah, uh, we'd love to hear them. and remember, like I said earlier in the episode, uh the most important thing is to remember our main goal, even though the pet peeves come up and they will. Let's remember our main goal, and our main goal is to help others and, and help others through the most, uh, uh, I guess, critical moments of their lives when they're, when they're in a state of crisis. Uh, so after everything's said and done, we have to kind of put our pet peeves aside because, yeah, for us it's another shift. But for them, it's, it's the, those, those few moments uh, can, can make or break the rest of their lives, and that's something which we have to always keep in our, our, our forethought when we're going through this. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks for
1: listening. See you next time. Signing off.